podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tinfoil beanies intensify as Red Bull benefit from a safety car. Michael Massey is probably criticised again for that decision. And someone doesn't like Andrea Bocelli. G'day there. My name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the Italian Grand Prix. And I'm joined remotely. Well, they're not remote. I'm remote by my friends and yours, Tommy T. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. And Thomas J. Camp. How you doing, my man? Hello, I'm well. Hello, gentlemen. And Ezekiel Thomas Fenn, full names only, producing the show as always. <laughs> uh, welcome back to you, Ezekiel. Good, all right, excellent. It's good to see you. Call him Jame. <laughs> still Jame in my phone. Yeah, I'm just Jame. Still Jame on Spotify too. That's true. Uh, and on Spotify on both on both platforms. Uh, lads, let's let's start talking, shall we, about uh, the lack of Campy's Corner. Campy, what happened? Well, you decided to go to the pub in the UK, which <laughs> meant we couldn't record, and exactly I tried to happened. find a replacement. Uh, you know, real late, and it just didn't happen. So I'm real sorry about that, but I'm not sure people missed out too much anyway. So, uh, that's, well, that's that's not that's, true. That's for the fans to decide. But um, hey, you know, I'm sorry. It'll be back next time. That's not true. People were wondering where it went. Um, there was a petition apparently to to get it back. So the, yes, the reason is uh, I preference going to the pub because it was ten o'clock at night here uh, rather than doing it. So look, all of our bads, but uh, it will be back. It'll be back next Wait, weekend. Wait, what about what? Me and Zeke, why do we get roped into that? <laughs> it's absolutely Ezekiel's fault. Um, how dare you? Yeah, true. Um, let's, let's talk, continue on the unnecessary amount of Dutch loving uh, Tommy T. Uh, for the Thank God this wasn't announced before you and Freya had an opportunity to talk about it with Nick DeVries. But uh, all right, off you go. I mean, I rescind everything I said on Freya's podcast, to be honest, because I was kind of dismissing that he was going to have a chance, and then the, the guy comes and just dominates. Driver of the week. Hey, crack and drive. Got points first time out. That's good. Does yeah. that put the coffin in, uh, put the nail in Latifi's coffin? <laughs> one of, one of my only notes that I took down, that is that is Latifi done for. Sorry, pal. Yeah. It's not a good look, is it? I think for, uh, for a lot of people, it probably isn't surprising, is it? I mean, Nick DeVries, Formula 2 champion, uh, in the same way that uh, George, we talk about Charlotte Clerc, George Russell, uh, and now Oscar Piastri, um, and we and we don't talk about the current Formula Two champion that <laughs> we haven't spoken about all year. Wins the F two championship yesterday is in absolutely zero contention for any kind of seat in twenty twenty three. Anyway, we'll get to that in just a little bit, uh, but it's not surprising. No, I mean he he is a decent racer. I think it was a shame that uh, his cohort of drivers around that Charlotte Claire George Russell era was, was such that the seats were too full for him to enter into the sport. He, uh, of course, is the Formula E world champion. He's been doing some WEC stuff and other bits and pieces too. So I think the guy can absolutely drive. And, yes, it is absolutely the coffin in the nail for Nick Latifi. Um, at least they can just swap one Nick for another at Williams. But, of course, it is, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, because he started the weekend, Tommy T, driving an Aston Martin. Yeah, so he's he's come from testing a Williams at the start of this season in testing. He's come and he's he's the reserve driver for a, a bunch of Mercedes teams, and he's been doing sim work throughout all the time. So he's 
he's using different steering wheels. And then literally this weekend he was in an Aston Martin the day before and then he's been told, you're driving a Williams for a full race tomorrow. Uh, figure it out. Oh, well, qualifying first and then a full race. So for him to be able to switch between those different things, I don't think it's an insignificant amount of differences for those steering wheels, cars, setups, everything. So he's done an incredible job to do what he's done and beat the guy who's been driving that for two years. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Yeah, when you get shot in F1, you've got to take it, regardless of what sort of machinery you're in, the team you're driving, could be the worst car ever. But, hey, I think Albon would have got points in that car as well if he missed oh, it. Sure. But he stepped up, made the most of his opportunity, and that's all you can do. And that'll probably get him a drive at some point in Formula 1. So just, it just we've got to wait to... Wait to let it play out to see where he gets a seat. But after a drive like that, he would have jumped up five or six spots on the tier of getting a drive of the people in front of him because he's now he's now shown people that he can get the job done from day one. So excellent, excellent for him. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that's uh, as you say. When your shot comes along in Formula One, you have uh, one opportunity to really push it. He it looked like though, didn't it, in qualifying um, that he was potentially pushing a little too hard, or at least in FP3 rather, not qualifying, pretty hard. But his quality result was phenomenal. I think you're right also in saying that Alex Albon would have got points this weekend. Um, of course, having appendicitis is not good for anyone. Uh, so to have Coward. that... <laughs> race. <laughs> That's why he lost his Red Bull so. Wow. Uh, but to, to, to have that, and I think this is the interesting point, I'll, maybe we can come a little bit back to later in Williams, but it's interesting though that Albon and Nick, who hasn't driven this car competitively, is able to come in and yeah, okay, got some luck with the 17,000 grid penalties and 400 people starting at back of the grid um, to a point where it took Formula One a good couple of hours to confirm exactly where people were starting, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But for, for that car, for that Williams to be where it is now, this could be a track-specific thing where we saw a little bit of strength, obviously, in Spa, which is uh, can, can be pretty high-speed. Of course, Monza is absolutely low-downforce, high-speed track as well. Um, but we'll come to talk a little bit about Williams in a moment. Um, but uh, the other thing that I want to talk about, Campy, is this phenomenal helmet design that Daniel <sighs> Ricciardo had for the weekend, of course, in tribute to uh, Valentino Rossi. Yeah, Rossi's a, like he's one of these guys like a Hamilton and an Alonso and a Schumacher who surpassed their own sport on a global scale. Their name's huge, and he was a character of characters. And uh, I think for Danny Rick to do that in Italy, paying big respects, I think he probably he, greatest helmet I've ever seen in F one for a long time. But that's the sort of character Danny is. He's he's fun. He's lovable. Would you say that Rossi is the LeBron of motorsport, potentially? <laughs> <laughs> uh, MotoGP Probably the MJ of MotoGP <laughs> If I'm honest But uh, <laughs> But he may be the LeBron Because he went on for so long And raced till he's 40 And just got shitter as he went on But um, That's Jordan you man He went back to the Wizards <laughs> <laughs> Still dropped 40 uh, 50 in fact 40 So it's not too bad <laughs> This will never get old. Sorry, Mark. That's <laughs> no, good. Just every hey, time. Quick, quick shout out to our Will Power and the IndyCar too. Took home the championship last night after Laguna Seca. So it was a big double header for me last night. I'm feeling the effects of that tiredness right now. I'm living on about 45 minutes sleep. So it's a good race in the end. Will Power is a superstar Aussie boy and uh, it's his second IndyCar championship. He um, 
went into the final round with the lead, took pole. Coincidentally, got the most poles ever on record for IndyCar. So uh, very good. He's had a he hasn't had the greatest year results wise in the sense that hasn't won a lot of races. I think he only won one race and took six poles, I believe. But uh, just the consistency throughout the year is what got the job done for him. So congrats. It's good to see an Aussie on a world stage getting it done. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I look forward to him also being in contention for the Alpine seat for 2023 shortly as a result. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> let's talk, uh, let's do now, uh, Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's great, even remote, it's so great. Oh, I can't get enough of it. Um now, this is something that we'll come to talk about in a little bit, in, in a couple of moments, about the, the ending of the Grand Prix, about safety cars. But um, I do love a good little rant on, uh, on Discord. And there is no better ranter, I feel, than Tilly Willie One, uh, who does a great job of lying sort of in the meme shadows. He, he loves the, uh, if you're a Sky Glass or Q customer, press the red button meme often pops up through the race weekend but uh, this is his comment on David Croft's comments about the confusion on a safety car. Uh, what confusion the green light comes on once the track is safe enough until the safety car picks up the leader. From there they wait until the message comes from race control to unlap those behind the leader. The safety car is there to let control let race control gain info, bunch the field to complete their work and decide when it is safe to race. The red flag is for blocked tracks, catastrophic accidents and inability to continue. Stop manufacturing controversy, Sky. I love it. Very, very good. Tommy T, controversy central. That is a very much a Sky thing, is it not? Well, it's almost like these are the same people who were pissed off about what happened to Lewis in the last race of last year to decide the championship and now calling for that to be the norm for every race. They've completely 180 mm. We don't do that. We always finish under yellow safety cars. We've, we've never red flagged because we can just so we have a racing lap at the end. That's just the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I don't know when that, that's almost less precedent than what happened last year. I think it's just them trying to manufacture stuff like exactly what Tilly Willie's saying. We just, just let, <laughs> let it finish under a safety car. It is still exciting because you're wondering if we are going to go racing. Yes, it's not under racing conditions, but it still has an element of suspense, which is what we wanted. Yeah, and look, no one wants to see the race end under a safety car period. But, no. I mean, common sense. I mean, there was six laps to go. The race was well and truly over anyway. Yeah. I think Leclerc chasing caught Verstappen one second over ten laps. So that's a tenth a lap. And, you know, Verstappen was on cruise mode anyway. So, ah, look, we'll move on. They did get it. The safety car did get it wrong, though. Picked up George Russell. Didn't yes. pick up. Didn't pick up Max. And I think once that happened... In a track like Monza and how spaced out everybody was yes, uh, last night, um, it was always going to take four or five laps for the cars to sort themselves out. And then, you know, the unlapped cars can unlap themselves after they've, you know, come up behind someone. I mean, it's a shit show anyway, the safety car. But uh, hey, no one wants to see it, but they got it right last night, except for that one stuff up. But hey, human error happens. Yeah. Look at Ferrari. Was... They shit the bed on everything last night. Well, end of the day, Every safety. Week, Safety is the main cause here. There was a car stopped on the track. We need to have a safety car. Whereas opposed to last week, which was annoying me, they were like, we'll keep it yellows and then we'll go VSC and then we'll go safety car. Three laps of like happened in that time. That's idle. 
you need to make the decision quickly like they did, safety car. Right. That's no, great. Let's be clear. The Italians the officials were having lunch by that stage of the race anyway, and it took them so long to react to get out and figure out what was going on before they had permission to even get out there anyway. So, and that, We can probably blame DR for leaving it in gear, and that's probably the main reason they couldn't push it away. It wasn't as gear. The engine was seized. It wouldn't move. It couldn't get it out of gear. I, come no, on, Daniel. I, lift. <laughs> Seriously. No, I think Bloody that's... Bloody hell, McLaren. I think it's spot on for both we'll of you, honestly. Um, the precedent, the precedent was before this, before last year. Sky absolutely wanting its cake and wanting to eat it too. Um, and there's no way that Max Verstappen's losing that race. They're just not even with a lap to go. Um, like something would have happened. Charles' car would have exploded. You know, they were talking Ferrari, talking halfway through the race about you know there's something wrong <laughs> with the power unit or something. Jeez. So it's uh, it wouldn't uh, be a surprise. Yeah. Even the commentators were alluding once um, Leclerc got back under that 18-second mark and they were like, yeah, we clearly had the race pace. We just got strategy wrong because, you know, Max was 18 seconds and they did that extra pitch. So I was like, that's not how that works. No. One IO. Like, <laughs> you still would have got beaten if you'd done one pit stop yeah. by probably 12 seconds. So, yeah, uh, what a shambles that is. Can what I just say how good was it when? How good was it when McLaren stuffed up Lando's pit stop? The <laughs> Discord, excellent. The Discord went off. It I, was unbelievable. I was sitting in uh, in a pub, <laughs> which was so focused on Formula One to the point when I got in, I think at half twelve, and there was no one in the pub, but every single table was reserved for uh, for F one. And so, just to set the scene, and then when Lando's pit stop, when he's, <laughs> he's still sitting up in his chase, I was like, yes. <laughs> Suck it! Stay there! And no one else. No one else. No just one else me. reacted. Just me. Everyone else was looking at me, but because the British are too polite to say anything, I was like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, and then Daniel Did you crashed. hear the Queen died over there, Jim? I'm not sure. No, if I didn't. You've, uh, Did she? Realised or understood? That's. that's <laughs> so. <laughs> it's even uh, better the second time. Yeah. <laughs> Reusing jokes. <laughs> All right, let's do let's do our television broadcast review. At least he's recycling we? for once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can just hear Zeke giggling in the background. That's good. <laughs> he's stoked with himself. It's a good uh, addition. Yeah, it's, it's it's true. All right, Tommy T. I know this is it's not really your thing. It's the whole podcast thing. Nah. But we're just not going to change the thing. Um, I, my whole note here for the broadcast is, oh boy. <laughs> was, yeah, I mean we've kind of alluded to a few of them already, haven't we? We've, Tilly Willie was spot on with that. The yep. the trying to manufacture some drama kind of stuff. Also, I do understand that this is a Sky broadcast, but it is a world sport. So if another monarch had maybe passed, I don't think we would have had this level, but I do understand. So you're going to get a grace period for that, for the the carry on and like the extra stuff that we were seeing. But other than that, it was kind of boring, wasn't it? There wasn't a lot going on. We we kind of saw more, more play out on social media. We saw like new liveries, helmets, those kind of things. There was nothing interesting happening on the grid. I didn't see the start of the race, the anthem and the flyover. I think we did get a decent flyover from we what did. I saw afterwards. Got to give it to the Italians. They're a bit like the Chinese when it comes to that stuff. That nah, we're still doing it. We don't care about what you say. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, the flyover well, what was. What do you think about the anthem? Oh, the, the anthem flyover was not on that target. Well, that's right. So the anthem. Talk to us about the anthem, Kevy. Well, it was Andrea Bocelli on it. Is that who it was? Yeah, I knew. I know my uh, 
whatever you call that kind of music. <laughs> <laughs> Opera. <laughs> Isn't he a tenor? He's a tenor, whatever. Uh, no, he was good. Oh, but they what? didn't turn him up and we missed the first half of the uh, half of the anthem. We got the good part, though, where it's like changes and goes da 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 it's good. Can we cut that out, Zeke? <laughs> <laughs> we'll drop that in. The <laughs> uh, I knew, I knew, I couldn't hear the anthem. They hadn't turned the audio on by that point. But Andrea Bocelli is an incredible talent, one of the world's oh. best singers. Uh, so it's disappointing that they didn't show some respect oh. to him by turning the microphone on. Very patriotic, hand on the heart. Do yep. like that? Bit yep. of emotion. No time on target, though, for the flyover um, happening just before he finished, which was disappointing, so much so that they decided to come back and do it again a second time <laughs> just so they could have some imagery. Uh, so, look, you know, plus some points, I suppose, for some flyover. Um, but, you know, Aramaki's interesting that they all stayed in the skies. They went over, which was at least good from, from that <laughs> point of view. Uh, are we going to co- collectively give the whole broadcast a rating out of 10? I think it was probably a good three and a half out of 10 for me. Campy, what about you? Yeah, four generously. Nah, I'm not the one who's writing this. So <laughs> it's Tommy's job. Staying in my lane. Abstain. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, all right, that's my talk. opinion on the king. I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah, no one cares about your opinion. Now let's talk about Oscar Piastri. Um, no, I'm kidding. Let's uh, let's see who's in <laughs> Campy's bin. Uh, I think they've, solid- they've solidified their spot. And that it's is uh, the Ferrari strategy. Oh, how do they stuff that up? Oh, it was way too early to pit for a one-stop. The two-stop was always going to be way longer. I'm just shocked that they continue to make these. It's not just once or twice. And it's it's been consistent over the last seven or eight races. They're reacting. They're not. I don't think the preparation is good enough. And the person making those decisions on the wall is relying too heavily on a driver who doesn't have the whole picture. I mean, the scenarios they run um, at the track and back at their factory and the interconnectionality of it, you know, you've got you've got you've probably got 30 people looking at the strategy realistically and then uh, all the computer algorithms that generate billions of different outcomes. Why on earth would they continue to make poor decisions like that? It is just mind-bogglingly stupid. Do you think if you were running in second, pitting under that virtual safety car was the play? You do the opposite, like because Max was told do opposite. Well, in that situation, the thing is, I, I don't think it's from the front. Is what I'm saying. That move is something you do in second place to try and gain an advantage or throw the other team off. I don't think it's something you do leading from the front that early. I think I, I hear what you're saying, but you've got to look at teams like you got McLaren, you got Gasly, you got Norris. DeVries in the Williams, uh, Alonso in that train behind them. Yeah. If those guys were going to pull the pin on that pit early to get some track position, they were the ones that that should have made it work. Like they were the ones that would have naturally made that decision. But because all those teams didn't do it, and every other team on the grid decided against it, it was just that ten laps too early to make that two stop or one stop strategy work. And I'm just unsure why Ferrari made it. They were under pressure from Max Verstappen. I mean, that start from seventh to get back into seconds and then just not not blindingly coming up to him, but 
you know, close that four that four second gap down to about a second half over a ten lap period. They were just under pressure and they didn't know what to do. And they they're just too reactive at the moment. I think even if they had got the strategy right, they still would have lost the race yeah, on pace anyway. But yeah, they're in the bin. Hannah Schmidt never getting out. <laughs> Can I also just say, this is not my soundboard today. I don't have access to it. This is all Zeke, so it it's is fantastic. Um, I have to say, the uh, profile that uh, Freya did on Friday with you, Tommy T, about Hannah Schmitz was Excellent. really, really good. Um, yeah. so a, a massive a massive up to both of you for that, a massive down no, immediately for both of you being Freya. Dutch. Um, yeah, no, I, it's <laughs> genuine, it's genuinely on the podcast, very good. Jim. Genuinely very good. Uh, sure, mate. No worries. I'll do that right now. Um, but it's you know everyone on the group. <laughs> but it's a really interesting comparison. Was going to be my point to Red Bull, who very clearly know what they're doing um, and they've trust in their team. And, and Christian isn't the one making decisions. It feels like, or in fact, it's not Dietrich Masichitz making decisions about the cars and the grid. But it feels like the Ferrari board are trying to control almost every single aspect. And I imagine most of them were there um, at the Italian Grand Prix, probably trying to control aspects of what was going on in the race. So there's no hope in hell that Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, or anyone else driving for Ferrari at any point in the next 15 to 20 years is winning a World Drivers' Championship because the team is just incapable of getting it all together as a whole package, um, which which is disappointing. <clears throat> but I was talking to people yesterday sitting in the same pub who were Ferrari fans and they agreed that uh, the only the only reason why they won in 2007 was because they're lucky um, because the best strategist they ever had was Michael Schumacher before that. Uh, and there's, it's <laughs> unlikely that that's yeah. going to be a thing going forward, which is, which is unfortunate. Um, all right. Are there any podcast penalties to hand out before we go into our team-by-team analysis? I surely can be guess one for not having a podcast. That's got to be worth something. <laughs> So, I'll take that. Is it, I think it's probably a I'll shit. Put in, I'll put it. I'll put it into the fine jar, and we'll take that over to uh, Austin. Not this year because it's sold out, but Vegas next year. So, oh, I don't know if I want to go to Vegas. I don't know if I want to go to Vegas as a uh, as a fan because if Mm-mm. the Miami tickets are anything to go by, just very quickly, there was a renewal email sent about Miami um, that I saw on Twitter, and something like the the original tickets cost like $1,500 per ticket, and now this coming year's seats, exactly the same seats, are three grand per ticket. Uh, it's mental. It's beyond mental. And so I don't hold any hope out that uh, Vegas is going to be any cheaper, although I imagine you could try and get a hotel room, I suppose, overlooking the track, although I'm sure they'll figure that out too. We'll get back to our review of the Italian Grand Prix in just a moment. But I want to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, NordVPN. Now, NordVPN is an incredibly good product. It is something that I've been using for years and years, and I'm happy to say that they are continuing to sponsor us for the next couple of episodes. Now, I'm currently in the UK, and having a VPN is incredibly important to me. As I've mentioned, I've been using Nord for years And when I come overseas, it means that if I need to watch something slightly different, but I'm really struggling because I'm either in the UK or the US or Australia, I can use my VPN and merely just put myself in a different location, at least so the internet thinks. It means that I can unlock region-locked content and be able to watch whatever I need to watch to get on top of Formula One or other motorsport as well. Now, NordVPN has an incredible deal going for the moment. Two years plus four months 
free, four months free, and those two years are heavily discounted. You can see that deal plus so much more about NordVPN at nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive. That's nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive. You can find the link in the description below. And a massive thank you to NordVPN for sponsoring this podcast. Now, let's get back to it. Let's go through our team-by-team analysis. And uh, we'll start at the very back of the pack, gents, with Aston Martin, both not finishing uh, Tommy T, Sebastian Vettel. There was some great imagery of him leaving uh, or arriving rather at the track on a scooter is he was parting the crowds with his wonderful thin headband on, everyone absolutely loving King Seb. Uh, as he comes through, of course, for the final time at Monza. It was a, it's a big shame, wasn't it, that he wasn't able to finish, at least in the points, of course, his first win taking place with Toro Rosso here many, many years ago. So as Freya said, it was it's a nice way to sort of round off, it would have been a nice way rather to have rounded off his, his career. Unfortunately, uh, that wasn't to be. But uh, Aston Martin as a whole had a terrible weekend. They did. I mean, you could see everyone still loves Seb. In Italy, there was posters, there was people holding up signs and stuff, which is great. The reaction for him, everyone's kind of softened to Seb, the the kind of killer instinct guy that's willing to step on everyone to get to the top. Now he's just everyone's favourite uncle, Uncle Seb. But he, you could tell audibly he was very disappointed over the radio when he missed out on qualifying. Um, he was excited and he'd, something had gone wrong in his first run, I think, uh, and they had to put him through for the last, the last kind of, moment and he was unfortunately out by I think it was only like six hundredths or something. It was like something very small to miss out on the next stage of qualifying, which would have hopefully helped, but end of the day both those cars were retired. So he could have qualified higher and still ended up with a DNF unfortunately. But I don't know what's going on with Aston at the moment. They seem to be just kind of floating towards the bottom of the pack somehow. Yeah. Hey, that's what happens when you copy cars. You would have thought this week the car would be good after they copied a Red Bull. But, hey, I don't know where. They have had good performances. Where was it? We were talking about it the other week where they were good. But it was track specific. Yeah. And, you know, they were competing with, uh, you know, the likes of a of an Alpine at that time. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure they got the drivers. Seb's not the driver he used to be. Stroll definitely, you know, well, we've had that conversation a thousand times. So, you know, I mean, Alonso going to that team may be what they need to unlock some potential out of that car. But, um, yeah, they're just in a bit of a rut at the moment, aren't they? They'll probably drop back like McLaren. Yeah, and I think it's it doesn't seem like they've, they've got an easy way out. I, I mean, the big sort of design rather philosophy change that they undertook, yes, to copy Red Bull effectively, but to go away from where they were feels like maybe they should be by this point because that was what was race four, I think, Imola, around Imola where they they had that design come in. So you would have thought by this point that they would have settled that in in terms of trying to push everything forward. Doesn't seem like that's the case. They do have glimpses, Campy, you're right, in terms of how they perform. Certainly Seb's not lost it, but he's not the driver he used to be. He's also said he's retiring. So there's not a lot of impetus anymore for him to really – put in his best performances outside of the fact that he would want to do that personally for himself. So I think as a whole, <clears throat> pardon me, it's disappointing. I think Aston Martin, and even when Fernando Alonso announced that he was going to Aston Martin, some of the names that he sort of rattled off, there's a lot of individuals within that team who are awesome 
and very, 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 very clever people uh, and have had success in history in Mercedes and Red Bull and other teams in the past that have won championships. But it, again, is, is a collective thing like Ferrari. They haven't got the whole team thing right yet for it to be super competitive. And it'll be interesting to see if they ever can get that right because everyone else is doing it at the same time. So it's almost like they need to work harder to get to that point. Uh, let's talk about Haas now. Mick Schumacher finishing in 12th, Kevin Magnussen in 16th, Campy. It, in terms of sort of falling to the back, it feels like Haas are unable to sort of push forward either and they're struggling around that uh, the front of the bottom of the pack now. Yeah, a bit like Alfa Romeo. They haven't bought a lot of upgrades to the car uh, this year. Um, manufacturing's slower than other teams. We spoke about that with Valtteri last week too, but um, yeah, I thought Mick was very competitive. Unfortunately for K-Mag, he uh, got caught up on a lap one incident with Bottas and maybe Hamilton, I believe. Uh, one of the last four cars to go through that Just first squeezed. chicane and got squeezed. So I, I think Magnuson's pace was reflective of some car damage. Um Probably from the floor, I, I believe. I don't think they talk a lot about it on on the actual broadcast, but just looking at the incidents, that's what I'd say it would be. But Mick Schumacher, hey, 12th. Would have been 13th if it wasn't for Danny Rick's retirement. But um, he's shown a bit. You know, he's shown a bit. He's getting results over the last four or five races over K-Mac. It's not indicative of K-Mac's pace, but um, he's putting his best foot forward to get a drive next year and, the longer this plays out, the longer I think he won't get a drive for next year. So that's where I'll leave it until yeah. until he does and he's confirmed. I just – he's not – I mean, DeVries comes out last night and gets points in his first race. I mean, Mick's had a couple of years to do that and only scored points a couple of times. So it's <laughs> – those results for people like DeVries – jump him up that pecking order of getting a seat up, you know, above these other ones. Mick did everything right to get into Formula 1. Yeah. 1F3, 1F2, got the drive, he's got the name, you know, he had performed and he did deserve that spot on the grid. Or if it was me, I'd be giving him another year somewhere, but Haas don't want him, so they've got to get him somewhere else. And I'm just not sure other teams are looking to put that, put that Mick Schumacher ahead of somewhere else, like a Gasly or a Ricardo or... Or the the other people that have been talked to telling Jesus coming back maybe stuff like that so it's a shame for him but you know I th- I think it's easier long term to keep him in the sport but who wants to take a risk on a guy like Mick Schumacher at the moment when he's had a couple of years and not done a lot I don't think the upside's there unfortunately I think he's he's probably near about as good as he's going to be he's going to be in a car doing the right things. He's not making a lot of mistakes, but he's also not netting results and kind of pushing that development, pushing that car, being opportunistic. He's not really going to go much further than this, I wouldn't have thought. So when you've seen kind of the final form of someone and there's no real point taking them when there's other people who have higher ups, like an Oscar or someone like DeVries who hasn't had a chance yet and does that first first time out, that is opportunistic and there's someone you probably want to back into a seat long term. Yep. Yeah, it's an interesting point, isn't it, that, DeVries comes in, scores points, is, you know, now heralded as driver of the day by the fans and all of this sort of other stuff. And someone like Mick is is in their second year, as you say, Campy, only scoring points recently. Um, not a, It's not the same situation, is it, by any stretch? I mean, it's no. different cars, but that's almost doesn't matter because it's not about it's that a- in this sport. It, the perception is, is such that 
Nick's come in, he's faster than Mick immediately. Whether that's true or not, if you put Nick, uh, if you put Mick rather in the same car yesterday in that Williams, he might find it much more comfortable to, to drive than the Haas and, and found it faster. And we know that Williams are investing in pushing the team forward and Haas are only bought upgrades once in Hungary. So uh, it, it's not the same, but again, it doesn't matter that it's not. And it's, it's sad for, for Mick because it doesn't, there doesn't seem like any future progression for him. It wasn't the same like when Charles came in or George or others, or even Lando now just staying with McLaren and McLaren trying to get themselves <coughs> forward. There's no progression for him towards the front, um, which is a shame. Can I make a comparison to K-Mac? K-Mac's debut at Melbourne. Awesome. Albeit lucky, McLaren got on the podium on his first race and I think he got up to second because Danny Rick got disqualified from memory. But... Him doing that, at the time, we should have been jumping up and down about how good K-Mag was and what sort of driver he was. But getting that podium, no one in the media at the time talked about it. And it wasn't a big deal. It was because he was replacing someone and the car was quick. So in this instance where everyone's talking about how good DeVries was last night, on the flip side, you can get really good results. And the perception and the... And the reporting and journalism around your results don't necessarily bring that hype either. But the way that the media has jumped on this story and the hype around him is, you know, it's different and it's different every time. I mean, Magnuson got that, you know, <laughs> what does he have to do to get that type of hype at the start of his career? But it didn't eventuate. So I think DeVries is lucky at the moment and uh, good on him. But, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how his stocks now last. And I think um, maybe it was Damon Hill yesterday saying that is a drive that people are going to take notice of. Well done. Uh, and he's right. I mean, Nick, Nick struggling to get out of the car though with his really sore shoulders is also <laughs> a really good indicator that this sport is not, is like nothing it's else. Tough. Alpine. Yep. Hmm. Fernando Alonso DNFing Espen Ocon outside of the points in 11th. Uh, not, Traditionally, a track that's really liked this car or this car's not traditionally liked this track very often, but it's it's disappointing to see because Alonso, again, with without having the weight of figuring out what he's doing for next year, seems like he should be driving the best that this car has to offer. Uh, and I've, I feel like he just sort of loves this track campy. Oh, the guy's awesome. He's a phenomenal driver behind the wheel. Like he's as good as it gets. Unfortunately for him, you know, he had some car issues last night in a place where he hasn't had a lot of luck historically. I think he won I think he won in a Ferrari at Monza. I think it was twenty eleven or twenty twelve. And that was that was the last time that the Ferrari had won there. And I remember the crowd after that. It was unbelievable. He was fighting really hard for, against Seb in the, that championship, and you know he didn't have the car. But yeah, it's one of those play, it's one of those things. It's just it's just motorsport. These things happen sometimes. But the Alpine didn't perform well. I don't think this track was the characteristic of the Alpine that we've seen in the last seven or eight races. Yeah, I mean yeah, Charlotte Clerc did did win Monza though. Don't forget in a Ferrari only a couple of years ago. So there has been a Ferrari victory. Oh, I did since. too. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> just immediately. Doesn't count in Gabby's book. I just yeah. don't, just don't remember. That doesn't it. count. He's too young. Um, no, I think Alpine have been. When did he win it? Last? Not last year. Two thousand and nineteen. Daniel won. Not the year before. Gasly won that. Twenty nineteen. Keep going. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wasn't that a? 
Do you not remember go. the Italians flooding the track, nah. going mental? Probably missed that, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> Probably watching IndyCar. I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, I think Alpine would be disappointed with this week. I think Alonso showed pace. He had moments, but again, this is not the track for that car and how they've set it up. It's one of those ones that you just kind of write off. A lot of teams will find that because Monza is so different to everything else. Yeah. So there's not a, a lot of cars that are built for this kind of track. They're built for others that we have a lot more similar tracks to. This is the outlier that we kind of yeah. just have to cop uh, as, a, as a constructor, I guess. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, it'd be interesting to see the next couple of tracks, how this car performs, because a lot of the conversation, of course, with driver market and everything else is that this car is is pretty good. This is not a good showing for this car. Um, but Singapore's next, an interesting downforce circuit. So that'll be good to see how they perform there. Alfa Romeo, now, Zhou Yu getting points is fantastic as well in 10th. Valtteri Bottas, unfortunately, in 13th. Uh, Campy, you just said before that, you know, it feels like Aston Martin Haas, the, the Ferrari customer teams, is really taking their natural place at the back of the grid, which is such a shame. I think we said it last week as well that that's happening. But points for, for Joe for this weekend is a great showing. He got lucky too, Danny Rick coming out. You know, he jumped up that spot, but he's on the pace. I mean, he was he was three or four seconds behind uh, uh, De Vries at one stage. But I mean, they had some genuine pace compared to everyone else. But you get stuck in those DRS trains, and it just evens the field out a lot. The DRS didn't do a lot this weekend. It was only good for five or six kilometres, which I just thought was phenomenal. Yeah. Just compared to how much like how much the downforce they can trim off these wings and stuff, which was um I mean, it was a good spectacle, but yeah, I think they held on that way. But okay, good for Joe. And you know, there are conversations about him next year because he hasn't got a contract yet. So getting points can't do it. Unfortunately for Bodassia, that incident at the start, I think that hindered his pace a yeah. bit too. Yeah, he looked like he couldn't pass anyone. He yeah. was getting slipstreams and he couldn't even get alongside people along that straight, even though you'd argue with the fresh bits of the on his car, he should have been. Yeah. So that was just – that would have been a frustrating 53 laps to sit yeah. around in that broken, yeah. crappy alpha. But, again, yeah, look good on Joe. Uh, he he struggled to get past DeVries, which is, I think, more credit to DeVries than, more than against Joe. Well, that Williams is slippery, though. Yeah, and the... especially on that straight, it yeah. was able to pull away and – we saw the similar thing happen to the Afatari, which I'm sure we'll get to as well, being able to not pass and just could not follow certain certain cars that could get away on the straight. Yep. Let's talk about Williams. As you said, slippery is absolutely the word for them around here. Now, the coffin, the final coffin in the nail, Nick Latifi 15th <laughs> and DeVries 9th is embarrassing, isn't it? Telling. Um, it's uh, Nick versus Nick, and the wise have it. I, it. Telling is absolutely exactly right, Campy. I think there's no way now. There is just absolutely no. Even with all the Lovatsa money in the world, that Williams can, <laughs> you know, easily say we need no DeVries. We'll keep. Sorry, we'll keep Latifi over DeVries. It's just, it's just unlikely to happen. So, what, what is it for you, Tommy T? That needs to happen maybe for DeVries to get that seat or do you think Williams is still going to have to look outside because now they know how he uh, this is the other thing sorry just before I ask you this DeVries was awesome in the media about Williams talking about the team us we as a team all that like it was probably the best media I've seen a driver do 
in a long time. Um, people and look, just I know like that Dutch he, people, mate. I don't know what you're on about. Oh, here we go. Maybe it's the Mercedes thing is what I was going to say and the fact that he's just won a world championship with Formula E and Mercedes. Uh, but it, it's interesting for him to be mentally sitting at the back of, you know, next to Toto at the back of the Mercedes garage um, after his Aston Martin FP1 session into doing that and still being able to deliver. Williams, Yost, everyone taking notice, as we've sort of said before. But if he... This is the other thing. If Albon is unfortunately unable to make it to Singapore, if De Vries can show that at a high downforce, exceptionally hugely physical track, he's able to maybe not necessarily get points because the car might not suit it there because it's not a slippery circuit. But if he does get points there, (laughs) oh my goodness. Yeah, the guy, they just should just glue him into that seat for 2023. I'd almost argue, can Williams hang on to him? Are other teams who have seats available now looking at him more favorably than others? Because what he showed, he's he's delivered in multiple championships. He's professional in front of the media. He does bring some sponsorship, not as much as others, but he's looking like that professional kind of a Hulkenberg style, just very professional, very slick kind of operator. I think a lot of teams will be looking at him, not just that Williams team. They they would be trying to sign that contract right now, I would have thought, so that nothing else can happen in the meantime. But I think people are looking at him now. Yeah, he's in the conversation. So, But where does he go? That's the, the, the where, where do you put him and who goes out? I wonder if Stroll's still interested in motorsport. Maybe he taps out and then there's a spot there. Like no, Stroll isn't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> he might be bored. He might want to be, I don't know, like a pilot or something and just get dad to buy him something and do that. Do one wow. of those like Red Bull aerobatic flying <laughs> jobs or something. I don't know. He can do what he wants. He's cashed up. He, he's, got you know cool, I mean? like, he's got a cool brother-in-law. Take him snowboarding. <laughs> leave him out in the hill somewhere. I don't know. I think <laughs> that if there's a seat available, they will be calling Mercedes about DeVries. Yeah, maybe. Who's his manager? Oh, it'll be so it'll be Freya. or someone. <laughs> Freya. Yeah, <okay>. oh, <laughs> Completely Dutch affair. Um, it's interesting though because, and I, I want to say this m- mainly because we look at Felipe Drogovic, who's just won Formula Two again. Who is, is apps exactly? I mean, the guy's been in in that series for a couple of years, but now, of course, the just rule is because you, can't you win F two doesn't mean just because you win F two doesn't guarantee you a spot into F one. I mean, there's a winner. There has to be a winner every year. It doesn't guarantee you anything. If I drove in that sport for 15 years, I'd probably win at least one. Uh, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, let's, I want to see that happen. <laughs> let's get a GoFundMe together for a million pounds to try and get camp into an <laughs> F3 car. Um, that'd be that'd be good. Imagine that in the bin racing. Oh, it'd just be it'd be the epic Top Gear kind of challenge that they did at uh, Silverstone that 24 hour in the BMW powered the diesel powered BMW. <laughs> Uh, Peniston Oils is our main sponsor. <laughs> and Larson Biscuits. Uh, uh, how good was that? Show? It's just, you can't, you yeah. cannot beat it. Uh, anyway, let's keep going. AlphaTauri, uh, Pierre Gasly in eighth uh, and Sonoda in 14th. Gasly could just not get past Danny Rick in oh. that car and he was getting very, very grumpy Tommy T. Uh. That was funny almost to see. Could not care less. I know you don't. But you could almost feel him in his post-race interview. I think I can't remember what he was asked about, but Gasly had to make a point. He's like, yeah, it'd be like following Daniel or race. Because he pitted and then he came out again behind Daniel because his pit stuff was stuffed up. So he lost time that he was trying to do with the yeah. 
the uh, overtake and it didn't happen. And he's like, oh, I'm back behind Daniel again. I thought I got away from him. Just the whole race, looking at the back of his car, not being able to pass would be infuriating. Yeah, frustrating race, but that's motorsport. So, and that that AlphaTauri just is not set up for a track like Monza. That was that was it. And Daniel could get speed out of the parabolica, come down in that straight, and just build enough of a gap to just go for another lap. By lap forty, Danny had broken him <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> no, I mean, oh. to Gasly's credit, he was in DRS for so long, but. Oh. By lap 40, just started to drop off. And I think it was when Verstappen was coming through the back markers. Once he got out of that DRS zone, I think Danny put about three seconds on him and uh, he just couldn't keep up. But hey, I've got no sympathy for the guy, eh? <laughs> you reckon? Um, but I think, yeah, Sonoda was interesting um, in qualifying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he. <laughs> it's just unlucky. It's just nothing to. I don't, know. Uh, I don't feel like he's really performing at all at a point where we should be genuinely having a conversation around him having that seat for next year. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's just nothing now that that sort of signifies that. And this is the kind of this is the time rather where AlphaTauri really needs to start making decisions on what they're doing for that seat. Um, and you know, regardless of this whole Col- Colton Herder thing, which I know you guys spoke about on Friday, and exceptionally good job with that one as well. Um, I know, championship Herder. How, how? There's clearly better drivers than you in your own class before you make the move to that. Uh, why I didn't want to bring this up. <laughs> We're not talking about the, you know the driving market. Not dro- talking about it. I just two really Aussie drivers in Indy that are better than you and the Kiwi. So, oh, Kiwis, who cares? Yeah, yeah who? McLaughlin, McLaughlin's a star. Who's that? <laughs> What's right. he done before this? V8. What's, What's that? that? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on to a sport that people care about. Uh, yeah, I mean for for Gasly, MotoGP. for Ga- yeah, <laughs> for Gasly to say though off, on on the radio, I think everyone joined uh, Campy's side of this, and him like, oh, Ricardo is moving all over the place. Everything else, we're all like oh. on the Discord. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> He's moving all over. Give me his break. Get close to him and pass him. You're done. <laughs> he was breaking the toe. He was not moving that much. He was moving maybe a quarter of a car width. Oh, like it was geez. nothing. It was yeah, very he was very funny. Potholes, yeah, legit. Yeah, that's what he's doing. <laughs> that's just the way the roads built in Italy. <laughs> yeah, oh, so good. Uh, all right, let's talk about McLaren, and um, you can either put your tinfoil beanie on or not, depending on how you feel about the whole thing. Uh, it was it was like last year where McLaren accidentally found themselves further towards the grid, and I mean accidentally because of a sprint race and Valtteri Bottas being demoted to the back of the grid with a penalty that he had. And to be fair, well, not to be fair, it was pretty telling after Norris forgot how to drive a car from the start line, um, Danny Rick getting in the front of that train, and and that's fine. If, even if it was Lando, the lack of pace in that McLaren is disgusting. The way that those yeah. cars ahead of him went off into the, into the su- drove off into the summer, and don't tell me oh, it's because it's Daniel and he's washed. Either one of those drivers would have had a DRS yeah. train behind them and the gaps ahead would have built. That is the, yeah. the biggest telling thing. Now, what I would also say is, and it's one of the things that I was listening to, Tommy T, from your points on Friday, it's interesting, isn't it, that we talk about overtaking should be better now with these cars. And I think at the beginning of the year, it probably was, but now the engineers and the aerodynamicists have probably found certain ways to maybe lessen that effect that was so great at the very beginning of the year because DRS trains 
are still a thing um, and there's not much that we can seem to be able to do that. The the alternative view to that is Carlos Sainz coming through and just powering past everyone because his car is a lot faster than everyone else's. So I think what it shows is AlphaTauri, McLaren, you know, the Williams, Alfa Romeo, Alpine, they're all in a absolute subcategory to Red Bull, Ferrari and Mercedes when it comes to everything yep. to do with that package. Weird that the works teams are a step above everyone else. Oh, That's weird. really interesting. How weird. Without the <laughs> Alpine's not though. Uh, anyway, so from well, I, mean, I said the works teams, James. Oh, my on. apologies. Yes, please, please do accept my grace of apologies. Um, the the strategy though for McLaren campy. Let's let's talk about it now. Was it fair in your mind that Rick pitted early to ca- cover off Gasly, stop him from having the undercut? Because obviously later, you know, they left Lando out there, and everyone went, "Oh, no, there you go, Lando's going to get ahead." But do you think, like, to be fair to McLaren at the time, do you think that was the right call? Yes, I do. Yes, they had to cover off. They had to cover off Gasly because it was clear that track position was king in that midfield, like that eighth back to fourteenth place. Mid track position was king, so yep. they had to they had to do something. And the undercut is always going to work like that. My frustration was is like, well, yes, they left. Yes, they left Lando out longer and put him on that alternate strategy. But the only reason he could do that alternate strategy is because Danny Rick was controlling the pace. And because he stuffed his star. <coughs> like that's what he was left with, unfortunately, because yeah. of his own doing. And then and then they asked Danny Rick over the radio, oh, can you drive to pace and back it up to get Lando in front of you? And Danny Rick did the team thing because that's, yeah. that's the sort of headspace is in at the moment. That's good. Um McLaren stuffing up the pit stop. I mean, they should never do that. But they stuffed up the same on Danny Brick's pit stop and he had a three and a half second one. And the problem was on the right rear. And they didn't they didn't they didn't correct that for Lando's um stop. But Lando's position in that race was wholly based on what Danny Rick sacrificed for the team. Yep, so I agree. It could have been dire straits. Um they kept him out. Um anyway, look, I think um I mean that's McLaren would have ended up in seventh and eighth position, which I mean, regardless of whether Lando or Danny finished in front of everyone, I mean, Danny took one for the team last night and he drove bloody well. You know, he got the start. So. I just think Lando, when the pressure comes on, when he, in those moments when he's got to get the job done, he still hasn't proved to me that he can get it done. Yeah, still hasn't won a race. Got one arsy podium this year. Like <laughs> when everyone crashed and died, you know, I mean, shit. You know, the two races where he made those, got those 40 points ahead of Danny Rick was you when know, Danny Rick had mechanicals. So I think we look at the season a bit like that. Yes, he's had the wood over him, but anyway. Look, yeah. McLaren did pretty much everything right last night, including stuffing up Lando's bits. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think McLaren was spot on, and I Daniel was never going to stop Lando coming through because that's stupid. He's on fresher tyres on a different strategy. He had a chance to try and take Perez. He wasn't going to. We could tell that, but there was that much of a gap. Daniel would have been stupid to just hold it up and just be a petulant child, which we don't want to see. If you genuinely got pace, stay there and race, but this was completely different races. And what stuffed it was that Hamilton got past. They were gunning for for Danny Rick to control the pace. Then when Hamilton met the back of that, they pit him, come out in front, and then had the freshest tyre possible for the last 15 laps of the race to try and hold Hamilton off and try and get Perez to get that top five. Didn't work out for him. But if they didn't stuff it up, I mean, when he, even when he came out of the pit, he got passed by Gasly. And then Hamilton went round the inside on the two of them and Which got right epic. up too. So, I mean, 
that's what I could see what they were trying to do, and they used Danny as a scapegoat. If it had been positions reversed, I would have hoped they tried the same thing, but um, no confidence in that. No, no confidence in that. No confidence in Zach Brown. But again, they didn't have any firepower to shoot. They had no weapons to try and do anything last night. It was hang on for dear life and see how we go. Yeah, which Daniel did an excellent job of, by the way. I think there's many drivers that could have done what he did, hanging Gasly out to dry for that long, uh, maintaining track position. Like he did an excellent yeah. job, and that is a skilled driver. It's a shame his engine blew up because now he's going to have to take gearbox, ICE, MGUH. You know, probably they changed it last weekend. Yeah. No, well, the you know, I mean, yeah. the WTF. Uh, we don't have an ICE. It's <laughs> ICE Union anyway. Whatever. Look. <laughs> It's uh, it's a shame. Danny's going to have to take he'll he'll have to take a lot of penalties later on in the season. Which, uh, yeah, coming up to the tracks are at. I just can't see McLaren doing good anywhere. They're going to suck with high downforce at um, and, uh, Singapore. Malaysia, Singapore. Singapore. That's the one. Malaysia. Uh, Let's go back Malaysia. to Malaysia. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good track, actually. What else have we got coming up? We got Singapore. Then we got the three America races. Suzuka. So, so it's Singapore, Suzuka, the so three America Suzuka. races, and then Abu Dhabi. Danny, Danny Rick's chance to prove himself this year will be Japan. Which we love. Oh, how yeah, good is that? It's two, it's two races away. But. I don't mean the three American yeah. races, by the way. I mean yep. as in, as in the like, Americas. The America races. <laughs> the continent. Yeah. <laughs> Mexico, <laughs> Brazil. Mexico is going to be interesting, I think, for, for McLaren. Yeah. Just because it's a different altitude, maybe that's going to make a difference. Probably not. Uh, let's keep no, talking. The Mercedes, the Mercedes engines suck at high altitude. Yeah. Let's that keep going. Let's talk about Mercedes. High anything. <laughs> let's talk about Mercedes. Um, Hamilton had a pretty good drive considering where he started, um, and it doesn't feel Damage. like this car was as powerful as the Ferrari was. So we, when we saw color signs slipping through the field, it wasn't really the same that we saw for, for Hamilton. Um, but Overall, I think Mercedes, Campy, seem to be getting themselves into a probably a decent spot for challenging maybe the championship for next year. Yeah, I think they'll still win a race this year. I think I don't think George has the pace compared to Lewis. He's got the results in the last few races just because the things that have happened to Lewis. Um, I'm still waiting for that race. I mean, it should have been last week. Lewis should have won that race. Uh, and uh, the Dutch Grand Prix, he will win a race this year. It's just got a the card's got a full right for him because he's got. And last night he had damage from lap one. You know it was a bit like the the Valtteri two in Melbourne where you guys saw him and he was scooting off. Uh, clearly had some damage to the floor, which lost him some downforce. So, um, although he hasn't got the results this year compared to his teammate. He's by far the faster guy on track, and he'll be. I mean, I think Lewis could drive to his forty-five. You know, I don't think he's going anywhere, and he made that. He's a LeBron James for sure, definitely. He He made that. Yeah, he's not MJ, is he? So, um, (laughs) but he made. Hey, look, he made that comment in uh, in the um, which you and Frey touched on on Friday. He made that comment about Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. In his press conference, and just said. Hey, he he was basically saying, and if I can paraphrase Lewis Hamilton, there's people on this grid that don't deserve to be here, and Danny Rick is one of those guys that has proven and got a track record, and he deserves to be on the grid. He's got the respect of everybody, so yeah, you know that's I paraphrase. He's a bit nicer than that, but you know if that's what yeah. he was really saying, that's what he's saying. Sure. So. I wonder if um, VB's left some unlucky talisman or something around at Mercedes that just been handed off to Hamilton because his luck this year has been 
VB-esque, hasn't it? When George just seems to kind of get lucky with everything and it seems every week there's some extenuating circumstance that down to Lewis's control and he's just like, I was nearly there but this thing happened or something happened and I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whereas George seems to be getting cheeky podiums just accidentally by just being George. Yeah. Interesting. Zero. I wonder if VB did that on purpose and he left. Like, <laughs> this is the cursed chassis. Yeah, Traditions. Exactly. As an organisation, Mercedes are exceptional. Jeez, they, the drivers, they're two just dud personalities, aren't they? And George Russell gives you absolutely nothing. He's the straightest squid to ever drive on the F1 grid. He does have a punchable face. You are very correct. Well, even your dad would back me up on that one, yeah. Tommy. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's talk about um, who should have been a very yellow team, Tommy T. I absolutely agree with your point from Friday's yeah. podcast. Just, I mean, copy-paste 2019 Renault and put a Ferrari oh. logo on the back of it would have been outstanding. That yellow Ferrari... Yeah. Name across oh. the back wing. If they don't keep that, ridiculous. Um, and then, of course, they put yellow in all of the wrong places uh, as a result <laughs> of that. Um, but they, we'll we'll get to the fantasy names in in a bit. But there's, uh, they won't surprise you to to note that there's lots of minions references uh, to that. Noting <laughs> the drivers. One thing that I would say is there was a, I think in 2020 when we were all on lockdown and Charles was driving one of those virtual Grand Prix. He was wearing a banana suit. And there's a great image That's on the right. internet <laughs> saying like that photo and then the photo from him for this weekend and someone's peeled Charles. Uh, so, <laughs> so, the internet. So uh, that is, I know that Ferrari's is been traditionally red, but they have had some cars that they've definitely marketed in that Ferrari yellow, which is like oh. unbelievable. But make the whole car yellow. Yeah. Like. You change the suits. The suits and the team look way better they than the did. red ones. That's what I mean. I was like, go oh, all in. Go all in. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So apart from them being yellow. Or they were never going to do that yellow. in Italy. No. no. Yeah. Um, it was it was almost a shame for Sainz. Fourth, he had such a good drive. Uh, he probably could have got onto a podium. But I suppose George was probably just stronger overall over the weekend. So maybe fourth was as best as he could have hoped for starting where he started. Um, but Leclerc's pace... Again, as we said earlier on, just absolutely nowhere near Verstappen's. Um, he even if they had a lap of racing left, unlikely that that would have happened. But interesting that both cars actually finished Tommy T. Yeah, I mean, I did not expect that. I mean, you probably heard me predict that something was going to go catastrophically wrong for Ferrari and Monza. But no, I think all things considered, that wasn't a bad result. I think genuinely. The stuff up aside, I don't think they had two cars on the podium. I think they're they're lucky to to get the one, so they should be happy with that result. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Well, Carl, <laughs> Carlos started. Carlos started the back of the grid with penalties. So yeah. Yeah. And had no, to I come think... through the field, and he made his way through the field really quickly and really well, but just not as quick as Verstappen. I know Verstappen started in sevens, but Verstappen in that Red Bull is just. Oh. Another category in itself. I mean, Perez had some pace last night, but he just stuffed up. I mean, he front, he, the first in, he, he locked the front, and he said he locked the front and flat spotted the tyre because there was something stuck in the brake, but oh, that was his way of saying it wasn't my fault. <laughs> but I think he genuinely stuffed up, you know, flat spotting that tyre. But then again, he had to pit again and get that 
get the brake issue sorted because of the thing going into it, into the one of the brake ducts. So, but he had some pace coming home strong. The strategy just wasn't there for him. But um, all I mean, corner after the race said he was just as quick as Max. That's that's just a good team principle, I reckon, because. Max is walking away from every yeah. teammate he's ever had. Max like, will steal the championship at the next race, so. Yeah. We, it's just where we're at in this sport. We're going to go have six races left and it's all over. Yeah. As I've said for the last couple of introductions, he wins the 22 World Championship because there's just no one anywhere close to, to him to, you know, rival him for that. I asked this question to a couple of people yesterday as well. What is the point where we get bored of Max winning, let's the same that we got bored of Lewis and the same we got bored of Seb and Schumacher. And, I mean, it, we are in that kind of era now, right, of clear dominance from a team, yep. Hannah, doing amazing strategy for both cars. But obviously, you know, Checo is not as good as Max. That's just the full stop um, sentence when it comes to drivers. Uh, yeah. Adrian Newey, absolute superstar designing cars. Christian Ruthless, you know, they've killed the Porsche deal because they want control over where everything goes forward. And I'm okay with yeah. that, to be honest. I mean, the, the last time that specific team was a manufacturer was Jaguar and that didn't go well. So I think <laughs> for them to keep, you know, that good balance going forward is, is the right thing and it allows Porsche maybe to connect with another team or Andretti or someone else to bring them into the sport, which we can talk about later in a different podcast. But I think the whole the whole package of Red Bull right now, Campy, is just unstoppable. And, you know, not that I want to bring in the driver market thing, but it's unlikely now in my mind that Red Bull's really going to want to change their driver lineup for next year because the rhythm is Max is the number one driver, Sergio is supporting, always, always supporting, you know, should be trying to get as many podiums as he can. He's not driving as well as he probably could, but... He understands his role within that team. Yeah, I mean, you got go back to the Weber Vettel era. I mean, Weber probably didn't deserve that drive on pace the last couple of years he was there. But Red Bull saying, "Hey, we're winning World Drivers Championships and constructors, so we can't let people go because of that." To get to your first point about are we sick of seeing Max Verstappen win? It's for me, it's a foregone foregone conclusion that he's going to win the majority of races just because he's that quick. I'm still looking at this and I'm still marvel at his pace compared to everybody else. Yeah. Like, I'm still in that stage at the moment. I don't know when that's going to – I'm going to get sick of it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this guy clocked up his 30th win last night and that 30th win has come in the context of not just his world championships. This is the first year that he's had a car that's absolutely dominated. So if you take those, you know, those these wins that he's had off this year back to, you know, the 2021 that he had previously, those 21 race wins came in cars that were not the best on the grid up against a Mercedes that was astoundingly quick for seven or eight years. So just to see where his, where his tracking in his career compared to everybody else and his age, he's so far ahead of, yeah. you know, Lewis at where he is at that stage. And give this guy another two years of domination, he'll probably have 55, 60 wins a couple of years. I think. And he's overtaken Seb. And now he's just got Schumacher and and Lewis in his eyes. Now, he's not the kind of guy. He will just – he's not going to make moves to another team if he's winning. 
He's just not that kind dry. He's not going to go a Ferrari if they offer him the world. He's going to stick. He's stone cold like that. He's like, I'm staying with this team. We're just going to do it all together. It would not surprise me if in five years he's won seven on the trot and won 13 to 15 races a year, which, you know, get him up to the 80, 90, you know, 100 plus pole positions, all that sort of stuff. The guy is that good. Yeah. I think on that point of will we get sick of Max, he's not winning from pole. He's not – there's no front row lockouts from Red Bull like we were seeing with Mercedes where they'd – Qualify at the front, yep. finish the race at the front, and it was boring racing. Yeah, Max is doing it from wherever he qualifies. He's not always got the fastest car to qualify with, but he is the best racer on on the Sundays. Yeah, no matter where he starts from, that guy is ruthless and has the best race craft of anyone that we've seen yeah. in a long time. I think that's why it's still exciting. We're not just like foregone conclusion. I'm going to turn it on. He's going to start from the start, never overtake anyone, and finish in the start. Yep. That's not what we want to see. But his his move on on uh, George Russell last night to get into that third place was just or the second. Oh, mate, the braking was so late; it was almost slow motion. Yeah, just the way he positioned it, and just you just saw how much better that car is. Yeah, under braking, you know, and just to get up to him and you know on a track even with DRS was was irrelevant. The yep. DRS was for six miles an hour, which is nothing in this break. It just – but that move just laid on the brakes and wasn't hard, wasn't even under pressure. But that's just the sort of moves that a car can make with Max Verstappen drawing it. And it's just, uh, I'm still in awe of how quick he is. Yeah, I think the difference is we saw – like VB is an <clears> excellent <throat> driver and we would argue that Lewis is a tier above, say. Yeah. But the point of that car was so far above anyone else that VB was qualifying second and finishing second. That's how good that car was. I don't think the Red Bull's that far above any other car. I think Max is that far above any other driver is the difference, I guess. The key for me is is if there is somebody in the grid that can go toe-to-toe with Max Verstappen over a whole season, is there a guy like a Nico Rosberg who can come in and challenge you know, Max over a season and push it? And if there is that guy, I'm not. I'm not. Danny Rick's the only one to do it, so I'd back him in to do it and probably win one as well. But if there is that person, are Red Bull willing to get rid of Perez at the moment to put that guy in so that they are even more dominant than what they are at the moment? I don't think they would. I think they're happy with the driver they've got in Sergio, who is sold out for the team, and he's playing a team sport when Max is playing an individual sport almost. I'm hearing I you. think that's how it's working. Sergio's seen the other side. He's seen the dark days of yeah. being at the back of the grid and nearly losing a drive. He's just happy to be there and just turn up to work and smile and oh, get paid. Totally. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you. But look, look at Red Bull's organisation. Their junior pool is not great at the moment. Um, had some problem with Yuri Vips earlier on, blah, 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 got rid of him. Gasly goes next year to Alpine, just hypothetically. Sonoda for you, Jim, you said it earlier, doesn't deserve a drive. He was lucky to get this drive this year. I think he's been better. He goes, well, that's two seats at Alpha Tauri that become open in that Red Bull pool. Now, we would hope that Danny Rick gets there and then, you know, sets the world alight again next year and gets that drive up into the top seat. But, uh, you know, as a fan, I think Red Bull need to make that decision and get the absolute best driver. I mean, imagine Leclerc and... Max Verstappen teaming up together. On paper, it looks really good. Max will just wipe the floor with all of them. So, But 
I want someone to push Max. I want someone to be there that's – he just seems like he's doing it so easily at the moment and no, he's untouchable. But I want someone in there that can push him who's going to beat him, you know, that four or five times out, you know, three or four times out of ten when they go out on track just to push him to get him that extra point. So whether they're willing to do it as a fan, I'm not sure, but it'll be good to see. That's why I want Danny Rick in that seat again, Rob. <laughs> Uh, so the short answer is no. We're not bored of watching him win. Um, not yet. <laughs> which is, and I look. I'm I'm not either. My my question though is the dominance is is coming. I think you make an interesting yes. point, Tommy T. That you know you saw if if there was a qualifying issue for a Mercedes last year or year before, year before, year before, they struggled to get through the pack because they set the car yes. up to be out the front, which is why they were great at qualifying and great in the lead. Well, you know, they were forty five. Not Brazil last year. Um, but when it comes to this this car, and maybe there's new regulations, that's exciting um, for, for cars being able to follow. But, yeah, Max Verstappen is just genuinely one of the most amazing talents I think we're ever going to see. Um, and I think in, in 10 years' time when he's still driving in the sport, uh, looking back at, the, I think it was a good point, the comparisons to Hamilton and Har- Hamilton's comparisons to Schumacher and Schumacher's comparisons to Senna, where they were and Prost, et cetera, where they were in each other's careers um, at a similar age and, and, and time I think is really interesting. But let's not forget that Max Verstappen has been driving this car for a very long time and he's been biding his time patiently yeah, waiting for yeah. Red Bull to, to come towards the front. So I think there's a lot. But he's to- only 24 still. It's no, insane. yes. Yeah, but he's been racing the sports since That's he was ridiculous. seven. Um, yeah. Or, you know, for the last 400 years. But I guess the the point is very good, Campy. He's not going to Ferrari. <laughs> he is, he's not going to no. su- He's not going to suffer that. Um, maybe Mercedes or anything else might be able to, to sort of lure him across at some point in the future. But if the, if the team is so dominant, and as I mentioned, you've got Hannah, You've got Christian, you've got Helmut, you've got all these guys who are used to winning. Like that's whole the whole direction is always winning championships. No one else yep. apart from Mercedes is competitive against that. And you don't need to go to a team People that's will go to Red Bull. Fast People will want to go to that culture, won't that's they? That's right. They'll go follow. Max is there? Cool. I'm going to go to that team because that guy's going to win. Yeah, that's and they want to be. look, it, maybe the culture has changed slightly since Daniel left. I think we, you know, we understand some of the reasons, and probably not all of them. Well, definitely not all of them as to why he left. Um, but now, where the car's sitting, I think if if it was a similar time frame, and maybe those things were happening again, because the ability to win a world championship is there, it might be a different thought process for DR. Um, I hate this term, but sliding doors. All right, well, that's our team-by-team analysis done for the week. Uh, Let's have a look now at the fantasy team names. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, this show. Uh, all right, I've got a couple here. Uh, it's, it's, so here we go. Tafosi is Tafosi that ever Tafosi. Steen N. To Williams in the good. nick of time, Nicholas H. Dan, let's get you on the hards. We need you slower. Trent K. And Daniel Ricciardo wins the Italian GP. Uh, David W. Miss you, Massey. Heart emoji. A T. Plan B for bananas. Jake B. Minions. The rise of Bin Otto. LBS. Good. You were right, Massey. Dennis O. Team principal Grew and his minions, Samuel R. 
watching Monza 2021 instead. Kelly W, yeah, I'm there with you. Would you like Vries with that? <laughs> Byron H. Uh, where's Michael Massey when you need him? Daniel B. Banana Splits, Daniel T. Sad Shuey Tears, Ashley W. Mama Ricardo is coming for you, McLaren. Haley H. And a Nick for a Nick, Jane W. Um, top three, we're looking for a P5 finish in first. Karim K from Australia, 241 points. And Yuki Cookie, second. Ken T from USA at 217 points. And third, Jimmy's Saw Squad, James L, 215 points from Australia. Well, that's it for this week. Lads, thank you. Now, we've got a couple of weeks before the Singapore Grand Prix. It's not going to stop this podcast, of course, but uh, it's almost an an equivalent summer break for, for the teams to be able to sort themselves out, get themselves down to the correct side of the planet. Uh, Atmosphere. It's going to be an interesting one coming out of Monza because the circuit is so different. Um, and normally we'd have Russia in the middle, which is kind of a halfway, you know, when it comes to downforce and speed between you both. You miss Russia, don't you? What? You miss Russia, don't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was the shittest racetrack ever. <laughs> Uh, but of course, boot making an appearance everywhere <laughs> after the race. <laughs> but of course, uh, you can themselves a lot. <laughs> you can find out uh, more about the podcast uh, on any of the links in the description below. Um, you can support the show by be- becoming a, a patron of the show on our Patreon, and a massive thank you to those of you who are doing that. We really yes, appreciate that. You can grab some merchandise as well. Uh, but that's it for Kudos this week. claps to you. We will, uh, we will see you on – well, we won't see you. Freya will see you with a special guest if it's going to be me or Tommy or Cappy or Manus or who knows. We'll sort that out earlier than we did last time uh, on Friday and we'll have a session with Cappy on Sunday. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Will. See you next time. Um, right, okay, well, let's uh, get into it then, shall we? Gonna clap of some kind? <clears throat> yeah, let's do Is a clap. Helpful? You can, Tommy T, you can count. Can I though? Ready? Hang on. You don't need a clap, just one person <laughs> from each side. <laughs> I'll ring you back, recording a podcast. Jeez. <laughs> Love that this is all in, and Zeke is gonna use this for sure. Cool. All right. Sports Social Podcast Network.